Hey there, Ruby fans. Welcome to another episode of Ruby Redux here on Rooster Team Radio. Tonight is part four of our Q&A Spectacular. <laughs> is that what we're calling it? Uh, I feel like we changed the name of it every every single episode. Like, I think at one point it was like the big summer blowout, and now it's spectacular. <laughs> Considering what we're talking about, calling it the big summer blowout, I think we should call it winter clearance. Hey. <laughs> uh, that's two oofs in the first minute, y'all. I Look, regret nothing. This is part four. We don't know if it's the final part. Stay tuned till the end. <laughs> mystery to all of us <laughs> spoilers i feel like that summarizes so much about our lives this show <laughs> the state of the world do we know what's going on nah, no are we doing it anyway absolutely <laughs> so get ready for this type of energy for the rest of the show <laughs> and without <laughs> without further ado let me introduce my fantastic co-host joining us tonight is the wonderful katie cullen Two oofs and 20 seconds or your non-existent money back. <laughs> the lovely Stacey Shuttleworth. I am here and ready to pride many oofs. <laughs> and the internet's Mark Vedonica. And I'm here, of course, jacking in. Yeah! <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought we vetoed this last time. And I no. thought we talked about yes and last oh, no. week. I think we workshopped it last time. <laughs> Damn right we did. We nailed it. <laughs> this is this is the problem with having a podcast where 50% of the people are yes and, and the other 50% are like, no, please. <laughs> the thing is, usually I'm yes and. <laughs> uh, and I'm Megan Salinas. Guys, please. Let's not waste any time. Please step into our humble abode and let's get to some of these questions. Get ready to cry. <laughs> yeah, we've hit that part of the show. What, the beginning? Yes. <laughs> Already well, there. <laughs> yeah, guys, this one, get, oh man, get your feels ready because we are going to be answering questions about Penny. So I want you all to be emotionally prepared before we dive into this. Are we all, are we all ready? No. <laughs> I mean, no, ever? but we weren't ready to begin with. So I feel like that is uh, fitting. That's fitting. We're never ready for Ruby. Not since the end of volume three. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad long. I made Stacy happy. <laughs> I have to laugh or I'm going to cry, so it's one or the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if there's one thing I know about reaction videos, the audience really does like seeing you cry. So I don't know how well that translates into audio, but... Uh, Just tell them you are. That's, that's half the battle. <laughs> yes, give the people what they want. Sometimes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so... <laughs> Our first question comes from Dat Cartoonist Guy at That Cartoonist on Twitter. Why Penny? What was the hardest part to watch? Uh, oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Let's go ahead and start with Mark. We'll, we'll go. We'll go backwards from the way we were introduced. Mark, what do you think? We we'll laughing? go with the only person not laughing. Yeah. Why? What is? Um, I think. Penny, Penny was a character that we saw this coming 
um, you know, we all had at the, at the end of last season where the powers went to Penny instead of Winter. I think we all had the same reaction of Winter seeing Penny in the void. Oh, Penny. Because like, like the, the flags were waving, I'll tell you. Um, like sacrifices need to, like this need to happen in, in order for the stakes to grow. And so like Pyrrha was a character we only got for three seasons, but we're still, and Chibi admittedly, but we're still uh, talking about her and still remembering her fondly. And I think it's only going to be the same, if not more so with Penny and we, we got her back. Um, So for me, I, I, I technically already mentioned it in that description just there, but for me, the hardest part was the close-ups in the void because that was the confirmation. And then Elizabeth Maxwell, her read for O Penny is, was something that I thought about for weeks and still got teared up about. And I think if I watched it again, I, it will refresh those feelings because that that whole final scene was and and we've talked about it on our recap was <laughs> su- was such a wonderful send off to such a wonderful character and and I think knowing that that was the end made that for me the hardest part to watch yeah i mean I, we've said it once we'll say it again and we'll say it a thousand more times the performances this season were just everybody knocked it out of the park so much and yeah there were multiple scenes where um those performances gave me goosebumps <laughs> definitely contributed a lot to making me cry uh, stacy how about you why penny maximum pain <laughs> that's why penny. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, but like Mark said, this this was kind of the flags were waving. We the way that Penny's character has interacted with humanity and has so deeply kind of explored what it means to be a human, but also with her very specific twist on growing up with Ironwood as one of her mentors, as one of her guiding figures that this kind of sacrifice and this kind of willingness to sacrifice yourself as the ultimate show of being human, I feel really follows that trajectory of why Penny would be the one to not only accept this, but, but encourage it in the end. So maximum pain for us, complete story arc for Penny. (laughs) Uh, and look look the the, oh penny broke me it continues to break me it will break me for a long time coming (laughs) that performance Mm. yeah heartbreaking meaningful absolutely beautiful between the two of them and i think at this point, with how many times I've seen the episode, I can keep it together up until the two of them start conversing. <laughs> when it's, it's game over. Um, but I do think it was also really hard to watch, especially initially, um, the, the kind of emotions that Penny goes through uh, when 
knowing that she is asking something horrible from Jean and still knowing that that's what she has to ask for and kind of bringing him into this and knowing that he will then have to live with that moving forward from this. Yeah. Oh, this, yeah, there, there was a lot about the, the finale. Um, and specifically this aspect of the finale, um, that was really hard to watch, really hard to get through. Katie, how about you? What are your thoughts? I mean, maximum pain and a complete character arc are probably the correct answers, but let's be real. It's because Rooster Teeth can only suffer one redhead to live at a time, and we have Nora. Don't don't you put that evil out there. No one else stands a chance. How? She is the chosen one. (laughs) But no, just why would you put that string of words together, Katie? You are inviting trouble. Do you really think I'm the only person who's pointed that out? You're the only person here. Uh, this is true. Fair point. Fair point. But I am not the only person out there. Yeah, no, I, I, I could not resist. Honestly, I was laughing when this was read because why Penny just cracked me up for some reason. You, you just, yeah, yep, yeah. Why Penny? Pretty much that. The hardest part to watch for me was Jean, just Jean screaming afterwards and the bloodied blade. Because as hard as it was watching Penny make that decision, watching her ask that of Jean and then watching her say goodbye to Winter, she had a death she chose, but there are still consequences for everyone she left behind. And watching those start immediately was just painful. Just painful. So that, for me, that was the hardest part to watch. Like, oh no, this, oh buddy, oh buddy, oh we all need therapy and it's not happening. Oh boy. Yeah, I I mean, I have to concur with everybody here. Um. Why Penny? Lots of reasons. Culmination of her character arc. Um, and yeah, it, it there are a lot of reasons why. Um, we talked a lot during our recap about how the com- culmination of her character arc is simultaneously paying respect to the source material that um that penny originated from while also very much being an inversion of it um so we talked a lot about that during our recap so it's one of those things where it's like you can see the bones of of where her story within ruby came from while also still allowing penny to be her own character and her own person um and and yeah it's it's heart-wrenching, and it <laughs> it's one of the most heart-wrenching things that the show could have done at this point. Um, and I, I think the main reason is that we all kind of knew it was coming. There was an adequate amount of foreshadowing there. So it's just, I hate to say it, it is just good storytelling, even if it's devastating. Um, for me, the hardest part to watch um, 
it was difficult. I, I definitely got teary eyed when um, she was giving her goodbye to Winter. But to me, that scene was also very bittersweet. Um, Penny's optimism and her her joy at having had the chance to live was something infectious, even though it's terribly sad to say goodbye to her. Um, like it, like for me, the heart that that made it easier to watch than the scene that came before, where she had to ask Jean to kill her. Be, and specifically, it's the shot where she's looking at him, smiling, and he's seeing his own reflection in his sword. That to me, because like that to me was the hardest bit because. It's the point where you're you're about to you realize that something terrible is about to happen, and yet you, you as an audience member can do nothing about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling them not to go. Why aren't they listening to me? <laughs> this, I said like oh, we didn't have the opportunity to like the old Ruby tradition of being able to see certain chapters in a movie theater. This would have there would have been a riot. <laughs> That's one of the many reasons why they don't do it anymore, I'm sure. I mean, also pandemic. Most of pandemic. I would have, you know how there's all those videos of like someone was recording during Endgame. And so there's just compilations of people losing their shit during specific moments in Endgame. Mm -hmm. Would have paid for this to have been done in a movie theater and just compilations of Ruby fans completely and utterly losing their minds. Like I... I want it. <laughs> I'm so, so terrible, but oh my God, I want it. This is why people like reaction videos. <laughs> you heard it here, everybody. Katie wants to hear your screams of anguish and she'd pay good money for it. <laughs> well, yeah. Isn't that the same reason you keep trying to get me to watch horror movies? You know what? Touche. <laughs> <laughs> I know you too well. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I talking about those recording bits. Uh, I I stumbled across one um, from the the original Halloween, and hearing that audience's fright and delight uh, was something that definitely made my day. But anyway, I think in answering this this question, we've actually answered the next one. This one came from Pika Twig. One, what do you think about Penny's fate? I'm honestly asking simply because I'm curious is all. I, I feel like we covered most of that ground in our previous question, but Pika Twig, thank you so, so much for submitting your question. For the sake of time, I think we're going to move on. This one comes from Nickus9 on our Discord. Hi, Nickus. What do you think Pira and Penny are doing together in the afterlife? Or is she just hanging out with all the other previous Maiden avatars, like Avatar the Last Airbender style? Stacy, what do you think? Oh, I love that idea. Um, however, I'm pretty sure that as soon as Penny arrived in the afterlife, she got her official badge, sticker, and welcome package to the scorned Redheads Club. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a support group that goes forever because no one's really ever over it. So yes, Pira and Penny are hanging out in the afterlife. We get one ginger per Rooster Teeth series. Red versus Blue has Carolina and Ruby has Nora. There can only be one. <laughs> Clearly. Mark Instead of oh. Highlander, it's redheaded. <laughs> oh. Mark, how about you? I would like to think that Pira was the first person that 
Penny encountered in the afterlife and just like they share a hug. Pyrrha says it's okay. Like, I'm sorry. Like, Pyrrha apologizes. It would probably be like, hello again. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, like it it would. Salutations. Hello. The most pure conversation between two characters that you could possibly imagine is, is what I, is what I figure. And then we're going to be the best of friends and like, uh, I'm crying. Um, but I, <laughs> essentially, essentially something like that. Do I do like the idea of hanging out with previous maidens? Um, if I, I would also feel terrible if that cycle continued to like, if there was this weird spiritual rebirth, like it, if anything, it'd be like a VIP club, right? <laughs> like not necessarily an act, like just an afterlife for the Banes, but just like, yeah, we get to hang out in this part of the club. I like that. I like that. Like it's, <laughs> it's not like they're trapped in their own separate realm that they're isolated in it. Yeah. It's more like anybody who got to be a maiden during their time on earth or remnant gets to just hang out in that part of the club i like that i like that (laughs) i was gonna say afterlife isolation would have been my concern with the avatar style things but yeah no the the vip section does sound fun the question is whether or not pure accounts for the almost but not quite attempt uh yeah i think they'll braid their hair and talk about boys and be bestest friends i know it sounds a little trite but god damn it we deserve good things I I like that. Um my worry I like I love this idea. It's such a beautiful image in my in my head of seeing the two of them reunite. Um and yeah, Pira getting a chance to say sorry about that whole tournament thing. <laughs> uh, didn't mean to, not my fault. Um it, it would be it would be great to see those two characters interact again. Um, because the last time they were face to face, it was so tragic. Uh, that being said, there's a part of me that worries that maybe Pira's spirit is still tied to the earthly realm in some way, shape or form. And I'm like, no, I don't want her to be a ghost. (laughs) Let her hang out with Penny now. (laughs) (laughs) Just the the thought of, I don't want her to be a ghost. (laughs) People accuse me of making things tragic. I do. It's a good accusation, but I'm not the only one. And for that, I apologize. <laughs> I don't want her to be a ghost. I hope they get to hang out in the afterlife, because uh, that would be great. Uh, okay, let's move on to this next question. This one comes from Charles on our Discord. I'm curious about what Penny was in the end. We thought she might be an energy construct, but clearly she had blood and guts in the final episode. So, uh, Katie, what do you think? What was Penny in the end? Penny was a real girl. And that's all we need to know. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. Stacy. Penny was Penny. Aww. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Mark? Penny was warm. Oh. <laughs> yeah, this there's not really a whole lot of like like I think what Charles is asking is is strictly like kind of a, a more of a meta question of like 
was she a construct? Um, like, how, oh, sure, did, how, sure, did, sure. how did that whole thing work? But I mean, I think at the end of the day, I mean, they were able to, uh, they were able to save her from the virus via magic. I don't really think we need to delve into it too much. <laughs> she was like her, her physical human body was constructed by Ambrosius, who is a magical naked man. Um, <laughs> mm, yeah, he is. That's a brand of vodka, you know. Magic naked man, magical yes. naked man, like mistranslated from the original Russian or something. <laughs> so we just get magical naked man vodka. And now we have a new sponsor for Veil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Oh, I ruined it. I regret nothing. I feel like you improved upon it this time. Yes, and. Yes, yes and, and magical naked man vodka. <laughs> this is where yes and gets you. <laughs> Love it. Oh man, I'm gonna have to pour myself a glass of that now. Um, we but- have. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you bring a Sponsor. naked man into our apartment? Why not? Am I right? <laughs> that is no one's business but my own. It's fair. And moving on. <laughs> And moving this on. Is, this is the advertising campaign. What do you mean you brought a naked man? Oh, yeah, it's right here in my bag. How did you fit a man in your bag? Pulls out the bottle of vodka. Ah. To get back to the original question. Uh, yeah, I, I just have to reiterate all of those sentiments. She was a real girl. She was Penny. And I think most importantly, she was a friend. And yeah, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think there's anything else to say. Yeah, like, there's definitely some fun theory crafting to be had, but I'm okay with kind of sitting in the magical emotional part. Like, your question is valid, but we've chosen to answer it in our very specific way, and that doesn't mean that other people can't have their own theories. Go nuts, y'all. So let's move on to the next question. This one comes from, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Marge, at Sidonia Sands on Twitter. The subject of how short a life sorry. Sorry, Mark. The subject of how a short life is still worth living and how Penny resonates with that, perhaps? Question mark? Okay, so this is how this this question is specifically talking about how because um, I think a lot of people were complaining about how, like, oh, we saved her and then she died immediately afterwards. I think this question wants to know what what our thoughts are in regards to that, because, like, how a short life is still worth living and how how Penny can validate that, I, I suppose. I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but, uh, yeah, what, what do we think about that? Uh, let's go ahead and start with Mark. In describing... Everything that we thought Penny is, was, and and has been for this series, especially for this most recent arc, no matter how long you are amongst the world, it is the people that you're around that will keep you with them forever. You know, your legacy is something that is, it's like a unique, it's it's not something to be talked about on a cartoon (laughs) review show, cartoon recap show. (laughs) Um, but the way that the crew acknowledged it and presented it here, like similarly to Pira, you know, there the, our team is carrying her with them 
and uh, until they don't until they don't exist anymore but there now we have she has the statue and and her family is going to carry her name on like that's penny penny has a family you know there a lot of the the themes of the show involve found family and and the, that's a hell of a trope isn't it but um penny proved that even when she wasn't technically alive flesh and flesh and bone that she lived it to its fullest and and as katie mentioned got to go out on her terms which is something that any of us wouldn't necessarily hope for but what you know is something that how am i how how am i trying to say this it's it's very it's a very complex idea of life and i really like that you asked this question um but ultimately penny's life no matter how long it was is one that's going to resonate not only with the characters of the world but the people in our world too and and that's a benefit to or and that's that says something about her writing that says something about her performance uh and and all of the people involved with making this character a reality has made her something that will live on in all of us whether whether it's just oh, i like that ruby show and that that penny character or the idea of what it is to be human. And, and that's something that everybody involved with the creation and exe- oh, I was going to use a very poor <laughs> choice of words there with the, the creation and uh, oh, I really don't want to use that word, but it's the only one in my mind right now. Just, just do it. They, you, you, they know what the creation and execution of the concept of Penny uh, should be awarded because Penny is a character that that will outlast a lot of characters in fiction. Like, and I, I truly believe that. Yeah, Penny. Penny had a huge impact on the characters within the story, and I think on the people who enjoy the story too. Just the audience in general. So that was a lovely sentiment, Mark. Stacy, how about you? I feel like exploring the concept of of a meaningful life and playing that against having a short life is such an inherently painful concept and it's one that hits home for for a lot of people and seeing it done in such a joyful way with Penny really is kind of a, a shining like story to look into to see yeah maybe she wasn't there for as long as we would have liked her to be there but we also see how many people she touched how many hearts she changed how many friends and good influences or how much good influence she spread during that time there and it's important to kind of step back and and be able to appreciate that quality versus quantity in this case i don't know if i have much more to add other than what mark said it was so nicely put mark i don't have words like that right now without going too much into it it's um it's a concept that has been in the forefront of my mind least recently so yeah it, it's it's been in there unfortunately but yeah yeah i'm like like stacy said it's it's one of those things where it can resonate with a lot of people and i I 100% feel that feel for sure. Katie, how about you? 
I don't think a long life and a good life are mutually exclusive. They're they're not, honestly. And building a little bit on what Mark said, rephrasing, not sure what the correct term for this is, but I would like to use the writings of someone a lot more intelligent on this than I am and who created a different fantasy world. I don't know how much all of you and how much of our audience has read the Discworld novels, the works of the late, great Sir Terry Pratchett. Highly recommended. But he has a book about essentially communication called Going Postal. And in that book, what, there's a system set up that's essentially a telegram and the people who relay messages occasionally get a message that's nothing but a name and then the code to pass the message on and then turn it around and repass it if it hits the end of the line. And the question is posed like, well, who is this? Whose name is this? Why do we pass this on? Who's it for? And it's the names of people who have worked on this system, who have given their sweat, blood, tears, and lives for this system, and passes on the idea that as long as a man's name is remembered, he's not truly dead. So again, we work with, it was, her life was short, but we're not going to forget her. Her friends won't forget her. Those of us watching the show on this side of the fourth wall won't forget her. So it doesn't necessarily matter that her life was short. Her life was full and meaningful. And that's what matters. Oh. <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. Oh, I'm crying. Um. Oh, no, we're all crying. <laughs> yeah, we're crying. I, I, yeah, I put going postal into this and... Every time someone mentions Sir Terry Pratchett's name, everyone tags it with GNU, which is the code to continue things on. So yeah, little Misty. Oh. The um, yeah, there's there's not much I can add to this sentiment that we didn't kind of already talk about um, in in our discussion uh, when we talked about the finale, and that's that. Um, I mean. Part of part of one of the good things about Ruby, as dark as it can get, <laughs> as much as it hurts us sometimes, <laughs> um, one of the good things about it being a sort of all ages show is that um, you know shows that are accessible to kids, um, even if they're not explicitly for kids or if they even if they are you know specifically targeted towards a younger demographic like when you deal with concepts like character death and grief and loss that's something that can be made accessible to that audience to maybe help them process the concepts of it because as as harsh as it might sound Grief is something that literally every single person on the planet is going to experience at some point in time in their lives. There is no such thing as a life devoid of tragedy. And so stories like this can help us process our feelings of grief when we encounter them in real life. Um, and the idea of somebody dying young, it's tragic and it sadly happens. 
Um, and that's difficult to grasp with when somebody who is so young dies. It is, it is very difficult to grasp with, but it's a thing that happens and it's, I don't want to say irresponsible, but it's, it's disingenuous to pretend like it doesn't. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of media aimed at younger demographics where kids are invulnerable or, or like their kids are given plot armor and that's not how life works. Um, and so I, I appreciate any story that deals with, you know, death of death of younger characters. It's as hard as it is to wrestle with in our escapist fiction. Like it is a thing that happens in real life. But that being said, that sort of, that aspect of it aside, life is beautiful because it's short. None of us get, I, I hardly doubt that anybody <laughs> in the world gets as much time as they would want. And you never know when your last day is going to be. So you have to appreciate life for the for whatever amount of time that you have it. Because at the end of the day, none of us know how long we're going to be here. Um, and that's something that Penny did. She appreciated every single second that she was here. And that I'm not just talking about when she became human, quote unquote, because she's been a. As far as I'm concerned, she's been a real girl ever since we met her. You're goddamn um, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. This was this was just some extra steps to get rid of a virus, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, the so yeah the like <laughs> her life for as short as it was because she was she was young, but she loved every moment of it and she made the people around her like she expressed that love to everyone around her and to everybody who was lucky enough to get to to call themselves her friend like her warmth and happiness and joy were infectious and she had a positive impact on literally everyone around her and Mark, you were talking a lot about legacy. I think being able to say you had a profoundly positive impact on everyone you touched is a hell of a legacy for anyone to wish for. So that's uh, <laughs> that's my thought. <laughs> okay, um, let's let's move on to our next question. This one comes from Equestrian uh, from at Equestrian on Twitter. Now that Penny has died twice, thrice if you count her robot body and human body in volume eight as its own death, do you think that it's going to stick or will she become the Kenny of Ruby and keep coming back to die a couple volumes later? Oh boy. Katie, what do you think? I feel like if we're going to see Penny again, it's going to be in flashback or we're going to have some crazy ass afterlife moment where we see all of the people who have died over the course of this show. So, no, no, this death has too much weight and too much emotional resonance. And we've already made it very clear that she doesn't get another mulligan. Stacy, how about you? Yes, as, and honestly, as entertaining as the idea of having a character kind of like Kenny that keeps popping back up over and over again. I think Penny's story arc was so meaningful and 
well-crafted that to then just keep bringing her back past this wouldn't really fit with what the creators kind of intended with her story. I think, I think we've gotten a complete Penny arc here. Yeah, I, I feel like bringing her back would very much undermine the importance of that arc and um, the themes therein. Um, but I don't know. What do you think, Mark? I agree with all of that. I think the only thing, because like we, it's been determined that if Pietro was still around, that he kind of only has one more left in him before he either uh, shuffles off his mortal coil or is extre- put at an extreme detriment to his health. Um, so the only thing that I I, I don't even want to see it, but the only thing that I could imagine happening is that we get, quote, Penny's little sister. And, and it's not Penny, but it's somebody with the energy and the legacy of Penny to, to carry on uh, Pietro's um, sort of spirit and Penny's spirit as this new, as this new character. But in, in terms of everything else relating to your question, it would the this sacrifice that that we've we've been talking about and that the world the 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 fandom has been talking about would be so much less less impactful as a result. Um, I'm I'm just happy that we got the more time with her that we did. Same, like. Don't get me wrong. I love Kenny. Kenny's my favorite character out of that entire South Park crew. Um, I love Mysterion. He's great. Uh, but yeah, Kenny was also conceived as a gag character. Um, and even though he's been given some depth as, you know, tends to happen with shows that have been on for multiple decades, <laughs> um, I I don't think taking the 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 very very serious um the very very serious way in which penny's death was handled i i don't think cuz that really did feel like a final goodbye um like cuz a lot of us sort of speculated that her her first death back in volume 3 that that wasn't necessarily going to stick um and we were right <laughs> um but that being said, this really did feel like a final goodbye. I don't see her coming back in any way, shape, or form. The only thing that I could imagine... Mark, I like your idea about potentially a little sister. The only way I could see us even getting remotely close to quote-unquote bringing Penny back is if someone got a hold of Piedro's Pietro's specs and decided he just wanted to create a robot um, based on those specifications, but it wouldn't be Penny. Like it, that's in my mind is the only way we're going to see quote unquote Penny uh, in the realm of the living again, is if somebody else decides to use those specs to make a robot army or something like that. I think Penny herself is gone. And I, I think we have to be okay with that. <laughs> as as much fun as it would be to um to have her back or to to find a way to quote unquote fix it i think there are just some things you can't undo 
And uh, like, again, I think we all, we're all just grateful that we got the, the, the extra time with her that we were allotted. Um, So yeah, let's move on to our next question. This one comes from Excel Hedge on Twitter. What if, these are the same place. And uh, they provided a picture of the God of Lights tree next to uh, the tree that was in the end credit scene of this latest volume. That tree would have eons to grow. What if the water can be used to bring Penny back? Now, I know we just spent an entire question talking <laughs> about how, no, probably not. But I do feel like this question is still worth exploring um stacy what do you think i think that something like that being the case as far as the trees uh potentially being the same yeah maybe this might be a very very magical tree with very godlike powers uh and i think because yes this this would be a plausible and great way to bring Penny back. <laughs> so I think that would be a fun kind of thing to explore. As far as it actually being a plausible course of action for the show, well, not if the God of Light is watching or involved in any way. <laughs> that dude's a felon. Yeah, you know, this is not happening with his consent, so... Either we are openly rebelling against the God of Light, or we're going to somehow I, explain this. Oops! I love the idea <laughs> of, um, like, that you know, our, our our team trying this, trying to use it to to bring Penny back to life, and then the, that causes the God of Light to come back to Remnant prematurely to be like, I thought I told you humans to stay out of my pool, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> That's one way to bring him back. And we just kind of lean in and go, okay, but Ambrosius sent us here? And he goes, oh. <laughs> My doofy son-in-law? <laughs> Did you know he has his own line of vodka? <laughs> What's vodka? <laughs> what do you think the God of Light has been doing for the past millennium? Drinking. <laughs> they basically just got an Airbnb on another planet that they've been staying in. It's yeah. fine ditch their old fixer-upper and quit somewhere else. <sighs> I love the idea of this being the same place. What makes me pause is the fact that we know that the God of Light's pad, such as it was when he was still on Remnant, and the God of Darkness's place were both easily accessible by humans. This wasn't a pray and hope it happens. This was a climb the mountain, talk directly to God sort of scenario. So I'm not sure if access to those places required magic and was lost. I'm not sure if we just haven't seen them in the show again. Um, I would say that's a point against this being the God of Light's place, but you can keep the door open for it. And uh, I'm going to stick with... Maybe we don't revive her for the water being used to bring anyone back. Mark, how about you? Well, wasn't the thing with Salem and uh, Oz that she brought the body to? Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
so that yeah. that would be pretty gross. Wait, did she that first time? I remember the body showed up no, when the- No, she didn't, because oh. the God of Darkness, like, yanked him out of the afterlife and remade him, and then the God of Light was like, mm, what the hell is this? And that's right, that's him. right, that's right. That okay. said, there's nothing saying that Penny's body didn't also fall on the island. If we want to get, like, real disturbing. There have been comics about that that I do not appreciate. <laughs> Don't like this. No, me neither. I mean, I'm glad that we've all considered this idea, but also because what goes up must come down, I guess. But also, You need to yikes. stop. <laughs> I would like this train of conversation to disembark. To answer the question that was asked, um, I even if that was the case, I don't want it. Like like we've talked about before, I would much prefer we see like a Valinor-esque sequence where all of those that we've lost are like, it's okay, you can rest now, or or whatever. So like I not interesting theory, but I'm I'm not a fan of it. Uh I I like the theory of it being the same place. As far as the water goes, um, for bringing used to bring back Penny, I I don't think that's the case because um, the water was the water that Salem fell into um, was what made her eternal. She was still alive though when she fell into it, so I, I get the idea that it could be used as, as like a way to revive somebody. What I think would be interesting is if. Um, is if they tried and it didn't work. Um, and that way our team got a chance to say goodbye to Penny because none of them have gotten the chance to do that yet. So I think if we get a scene where where Team Ruby is like, okay, this is what we're going to do and we're going to use it to bring Penny back, um, I think that's going to be very short-lived and it's going to result in failure. And yeah. they'll have to accept the reality that she's gone. That's my thought. All right. So let's move on to our next question. This one comes from Giga Derek at Kaibaman1014 on Twitter. Not a question, but the last thing Pietro heard from his daughter was an I love you while burning up on reentry. Giga Derek, why? <laughs> Why would you say these things to her? So, I mean, at, think think about it this way. Think about it in a positive sense. There's very little else that you can say other than that that is a wonderful last thing to hear. You know? Like, the only other thing would be thank you. You know, like, I, I love you is is one of those things that regardless of the situation – you need to tell the people in your life as often as possible because going back to what Megan said earlier, you never know when they're gonna, when your ticket's going to get punched. So you have to tell those around you all the time that you love them. Like I, I, I can't imagine a other seriously other than thank you. I can't imagine another thing that Penny could have said that could have been more poignant, that could have been more important, and that could have been more perfect to say. To Pietro. Yeah, I'd agree. I was going to say, those are pretty solid last words to a parent. That's, uh, yeah, I know Giga Derek's out here going, but what if I hurt you? But <laughs> those aren't bad last words. 
Stacy, how about you? Look, I agree with all of that, and it's very true, and you are correct, but ouch. Why would you hurt me like that? I didn't need to be hurt like that right now. It's, it's that Fallout meme. Everyone disliked that. <laughs> the rooster team will remember that. <laughs> it's beautiful. Ouch. Thanks, I hate it. Before we move on with the rest of our questions, I want to talk to you guys really quickly about iTunes. Folks, thank you so much to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate, subscribe, and leave a comment. We love hearing from you, and it does a lot to help us out. Um, you know, it makes us more searchable for people looking for Rooster Teeth-related content. Um, it gets more eyes on our podcast. So, guys, please, uh, if you haven't already done so, go to iTunes and do all those things. Uh, we love getting giving shout-outs to people who do leave iTunes reviews. However, if you are in the international iTunes store and not the American iTunes store, we cannot see those ratings and reviews. So please take a screen cap of it and send it to us at the rooster team on Twitter and maybe give us a follow if you don't already. Um, but there are other ways you can support our podcast. You guys can support us financially on anchor. Uh, we have a T public where you can buy t-shirts of the silly things that we say. And also uh, we have a Discord server. If you're looking for other ways to interact with us uh, socially, you can join that Discord server by clicking the link in the description below. And we have a sponsor for this week's episode. As always, this episode and this podcast is sponsored by Fred He Bakes. He does cookies. Cookies are good. You should obtain cookies because cookies are good. He does brown sugar buddies. They are a little bit like a ginger snap, a little bit like a molasses cookie, a little bit like a spice cookie, all good things. That Venn diagram overlaps smack in the middle there is super good, and that is what he makes. They are chewy, they are spiced, they are delicious. If you are still missing those fall flavors, and I miss those fall flavors all year round, so I feel you, he also does maple brown sugar buddies. They're like brown sugar buddies, but also maple. And if you're not really into that, if you're more of a chocolate person, you need to check out the Big Chip Buddies. They are big, they are fluffy, they are stuffed full of chocolate chips, and they are super, super good. If all of these sound good to you, you can get yourself a sampler box, which has a little bit of everything. Uh, all of these are freshly made, never frozen, made in small batches. You cannot find any of them in stores. You can only find them at fredhebakes.com. That's three words fredhebakes.com and use coupon code the rooster team for 20% off your entire order fredhebakes.com coupon code the rooster team treat yourself you deserve it thank you guys so so much for all of the various ways that you support our podcast you guys are the best all right, now that we've tackled all of our questions about Penny, we're going to move on to questions about Vacuo. Uh, this first one comes from Chris at Half the Battle. Did we miss an opportunity to explore the treatment of the Faunus in the Atlas arc, or was it addressed sufficiently in Vale and Menagerie? Or might we see the Faunus issue come up more among the refugees in Vacuo? Uh, let's go ahead and start with Katie. Now I'm going to go ahead and preface this with I am a white woman and in no way qualified to speak intelligently on racial parallels, racial allegories, etc. So big grain of salt there. I do think that we missed an opportunity in Atlas. 
I also have no idea how we could have fit it in with the narrative structure that we put into Atlas. Like I, and, and again, grain of salt here, I'm honestly not sure if it's better that we didn't have it in there at all, rather than having it in there and it just being the first half of season seven and not coming up again for this crazy two season climax that we've had or being half-assed. Like, I do think we still have the opportunity to talk about it in vacuo and I will be very surprised if that doesn't come up given the, uh, given the relationship that Atlas and vacuo have had that very tenuous, unhappy relationship. Like I will be very surprised if it doesn't come up. I do think there was potential there for Atlas, but the way the story structure was, I don't know how we could have fitted in and done a good job with it. Stacy, how about you? I think we're going to see echoes and bits and pieces of how the treatment of Faunus and how, yeah, especially when we go into um, all the Elysians being in vacuo, we'll have chances to kind of explore the topic. Uh, however, I think that we did miss opportunities and we will probably continue to miss opportunities just in the way that this story is set up. And we have this expansive world and we have these issues clearly present and they deserve to be talked about and looked at and we want them to be explored more deeply but we also are seeing this story as through the lens of team ruby and through the lens of this is the fight against the greatest evil in the land in this case now here salem and some of the more pervasive social issues will seem to slip through the cracks a little bit in favor of having a lot of story to get through and a lot of pressing, this is what they are concerned about right now. So I don't know that Ruby would be the setting to sufficiently and satisfactorily explore this topic. I would love to see content dedicated to kind of delving into the relationships and kind of getting into these topics uh, but I I think it will be there and it will be acknowledged in further volumes but I don't know if we'll see it completely tackled and covered to the fullest extent I think that's fair Mark how about you I like all of that. I, I, I agree with all of that in the sense of there not really being any time to address that. I think what what I see is, you know, this this is the team. Team Ruby is going to bring the world together against this greater evil. And there's this opportunity. Like I'm still I'm still tied to my theory that we're not gonna see anything in vacuo for the next volume. We are just gonna be following our team where they are, and we're not going to see what happens next. A very intimate season. Um, and with that, with everything that they go through, I think out of it, we're going to see Blake become the successor of of her parents and of her lineage in the sense of, like, 
she's going to be the person in charge. And similar to what we saw with her in Vecchio previously, I think all of those citizens are going to remember Blake and then she's going to be the catalyst that helps that at least starts bringing people together. And I don't know when that's going to happen. I think it would be interesting if we had a continuing thread with Henry Marigold uh, and brought that back around to either have him be changed or have him be the same either way, an excuse to get Alejandro Saab back on Ruby. Um, yes. But um, that that's ultimately what I think is eventually they're going to have to unite the people because if anything, the, the people of Atlas know they just lived it. They know what's coming. So it, it will be, they will have to, <laughs> like, I, I imagine them emotionally being like rock and hard place sort of a thing. And it might be the younger generation, including Blake, that has to have that talk. You know, a similar talk to what a lot of people in the country and in the world have had over the past year over various issues. Um, and it can be a show of the power of youth and what, what the next generation can provide. Um, that, that's where I see it happening when, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I'm right there with you, Mark. I think that, um, I don't necessarily think that vacuo is a guarantee this coming season. Um, I, I feel like we'll get there eventually, but whether or not it will be this immediate season, uh, that's pretty questionable. Um, as far as missing an opportunity, I do think that there, there were opportunities within the Atlas arc to further dive into specifically the issues like of racism and how that factors in as a racial allegory. Um, how so i do feel like we missed opportunities there however the backdrop of classism was something that was omnipresent throughout yeah, good the call. entirety of the arc um and racism against the faunist is baked into that um and it's something that was always in the background it's something that was always there especially in our flashback sequence um We've seen how, like, there was a huge emphasis over the entire um, arc about how classism has affected the people of Mantle and how the people of Atlas were oblivious to it and how how Ironwood was still able to justify, his, you know, his actions to himself. Um you know, while while literally an entire subset of the population was lorded over everybody else, um, it like it's there, it's there, and whether or not, um, like whether or not you feel like there were missed opportunities, I do feel like there were. But that being said, it was there. I feel like with everybody, everybody who had been evacuated out of Atlas and Mantle going to the same place in a place that's already impacted taking in refugees from other, you know, from, from another kingdom. I feel like all of this is going to come to a head 
when we do get to vacuo it like with all of these different people from all of these different walks of life from all of these different classes like i feel like what is happening in vacuo right now is going to be a powder keg that could explode at any given moment and i feel like we're going to see those conflicts come to a head in vacuo now will it like kind of what stacy was saying will it be a satisfactory um the way of tackling uh, the the racial allegory that was exists within Ruby, who knows? I I have faith in these writers. I I feel like they I feel like they tackle issues as delicately as they can, and we all have blind spots. But I feel like when we get to that point, I feel like it is something that is going to be addressed because there are going to be so many different types of people who are all confined to the same space who just came from this like apocalyptic event that is going to be after the whole world. And I'm right there with you. It's because we're viewing it through the lens of team Ruby and the whole, uh, the, the sort of trajectory that the, the series seems to be on is uniting mankind as best we can i think it's something that's going to get touched on i hope it's done in a satisfactory way but i mean we'll just kind of have to wait and see that's that's my take on it anyway all right good call on the classism though like yeah i agree with mark that's Mm -hmm. a very good thing to point out because you're absolutely right about all of that I mean, that was the whole deal with the happy huntresses. They weren't just, you know, making a ruckus for the sake of making a ruckus. It's ruckus! Because- <laughs> Woo! Ruckus! Uh, it was because Ironwood was was crushing the people of Mantle. Like, Robin had to do something, and, like, I really can't blame her for taking the route that she took. Um, so, yeah, I hope, I hope we get more... Um, I hope I hope we get more happy huntresses. Uh, <laughs> when whenever we go back to Vacuo, I hope we get more happy huntresses because I feel like I feel like they can speak to a lot of the woes that the people of Mantle were experiencing. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes when we get there. Moving on to our next question, this one comes from T and Vines at T and Vines on Twitter. Any predictions on how tensions will play out between the refugees and Vacuo? Vacuo's resources were limited to begin with. Add their history with, to the world, and we've got a recipe for disaster. Along those lines, wha, uh, who do you think will fill Robin's shoes until she arrives? I'm thinking Willow, but dealing with family issues may come first. One of the happy huntresses then? Stacy, what do you think? I think any one of the happy huntresses are 100% capable of taking charge and stepping into what would have traditionally been Robin's shoes um, to kind of help get everyone in order and try to maintain some semblance of peace uh, until we have our first interaction with the citizens of Vacuo, at which point I really do believe all bets are off. I don't think it's going to be a super warm welcome. <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't think we're going to have a battle breakout or like anything like that, but I don't think it's going to be quite as 
warm and cozy and please come sit in our mansions and have tea in the park as some of the citizens of Atlas might um, hope for and expect. Oh, especially if that storm continues all the way until they get to Vacuo. They can't call ahead to be like, hey, right. <laughs> we're, so coming, <laughs> we're coming to hang out. Right? So what you're going to have is some very upset, typically pampered citizens of Atlas who just want a hot bath and a gourmet meal. And they're not getting either of those things. And they're going to be judged by the citizens of Vacuo for wanting them. And rightfully so. <laughs> rightfully so. I'm not saying not, but. <laughs> Especially considering the citizens of Vacuo have like no patience for that sort of thing. Right. This is all really nonsense that we are not getting into. They don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a conversation they're interested in having. <laughs> They're like, neat, awesome, wow. <laughs> Mark, how about you? Um, when it comes to the Huntresses, I th- I think it'll be sort of like a group effort. I think they were always really good as a team. There might be some more tension flare-ups, maybe. Um, but we didn't get to see too much of Joanna. I- I'd like to, I just in general, not necessarily, I think that she'll, like, take take charge but i just like to see more joanna um but i i think as a team they'll they might be the ones to hold everybody together actually you know what i don't think it would be one of the happy huntresses i and, and not willow it's it would be winter wouldn't it Ooh. like a united front of of Winter and the Happy Huntresses working together to make sure that the citizens of Atlas stay safe, whatever that means. Like, I think, <laughs> I think Winter's gonna overdo it and really try to do everything that she can to keep everybody safe. Um, and a mission accomplished would be no further losses. And, um, and, and that, that would, huh, I'm being brought back to another piece of content. Um, but other than that, like I, I agree with Stacy in the sense that I think we're going to see a lot of uh, presumptuous Atlesians and a lot of people in Mantle that are just going to be happy to like don't lump us in with them. We just need a place to stay. Um, <laughs> but nothing like, and then that would lead us into the stuff that we were just talking about. But other than that, I even then I have no idea when we'll see this. I think I think Willow seeing Winter step up might help strengthen her by seeing how capable her children are it, it'll be one of two things either willow will get more depressed and be like oh god they didn't do that with my help i'm a terrible mother or or it will be the opposite uh, happy mother's day everybody but it, one of those that like there's a lot of intricacy coming up Yeah, I, I, ooh, yeah. There's, there's gonna be a lot when we get there. Katie, how about you? I think you're onto something there, Mark. And I would be interested to see how a team up with Winter and the Huntresses would go. If the Huntresses would even accept that, or if they're just like, "Hey, we've been doing just fine on our own. We just need you at the perimeter, making sure no Grim get through, and we'll take care of all of the taking care of people." 
bits. Like, I would be interested, like, again, I'm not sure how next season's going to go. I think you're right in that we're going to get an insular season. But I would still love to see how those conversations would go, rather than potentially just the end result of them. Um, I do think Willow will continue to step up, not necessarily as the lead of the Huntresses, but as someone who has gotten her feet back under her after, I would say, well over a decade of just not being able to be invested in anything. She might not succeed immediately, but I think she's had her growth. And in much the same way that we don't really want to see Crow backslide at all, I don't think it would be a good or interesting character arc for Willow to have a marked backslide as well. So I do think Mom's going to continue to step up, and I think Whitley's going to continue to step up too. In what form? I have no idea. I do think he's going to be one of those prissy at lesions who wants a bath, but... It, we saw his backbone. We, we've seen the silver spoon, and then we saw the steel backbone. So we'll see where things go. But yeah, I'm expecting so much trouble, so many tensions, and without the ability to call ahead, you know, you show up on someone's doorstep and they hate you, but you really just need a place to crash for the night, the month, the rest of your life. Who knows? We'll see. One fear, right? <laughs> um, as far as uh, Willow and Wheatley specifically, I think they're going to have to step up uh, because as all of those all of those tensions happening, as the as the family behind the Schnee Dust Corporation, there are going to be a lot of people clamoring for them to take responsibility. So I think they're going to have to step up no matter what. Granted, given their growth this past season, I definitely think they're both capable and they are more than up for the task. But um, I'm just saying that given given their family's history, that might be a cause of some some people's anger and frustration. So they're like, it's going to be an obligation for them. It'll be fun getting to see them do it, but like it's going to be something they're going to be obligated to do. Um, Mark, I totally concur with you. I think Winter's going to be going into overdrive to try to set everything right because she feels so much responsibility with the gift of the maiden powers that she's received and also so much guilt with not being able to save Weiss. Like, I think she's going to bury herself in work and that's how she's going to cope for a little while. Um, as far as who else is going to step up, I definitely think Fiona from the Happy Huntresses is going to step up up until Robin gets there um, because that's kind of what she was already doing was managing logistics and um, trying to lead everybody, which I I think is going to be fascinating. I, I think we all fell in love with Fiona the moment she was on screen and we were all like, yes, we want to know more about her. <laughs> so getting to see her step up and lead the Happy Huntresses in a very precarious situation could definitely be interesting. Um, the people of Vacuo are interesting. Um, what I've really enjoyed getting to hear about Vacuo um, from the two young adult novels that that were released um, bef- uh, 
I think it's after the fall and before the dawn. Yes, in that order. I always mix up the titles. Um, but the uh, I love getting that extra world building from those books. But for those of you who haven't read them, the people of Vacuo are extremely harsh. And so even though I think, you know, Headmaster Theodore is going to do everything he can to help the incoming Atlesian students and um, just generally speaking, doing everything he can to help refugees, the people of Vacuo are not super sympathetic to the plights of the other kingdoms. And there's this sort of underlying understanding of like life is harsh in vacuo you just deal with it and you don't complain and if you're somebody who doesn't take that to heart and if you don't if you aren't willing to adapt to how difficult it is to live in vacuo the people who live there and who were you know who have been there all their lives they're not gonna have any patience or sympathy for you so yeah we're going to see some interesting conflict by the time we get to vacuo um like uh like the question said there there, it's a recipe for disaster (laughs) and it's going i think it i think bare minimum all of the anger and frustration is gonna attract a lot of grim (laughs) i think that's like the baseline for the problems that we're going to come across and it's just going to go from there. Um, okay. Uh, this one comes from X-Man at underscore X-Men 1994. I would like your predictions for vacuo. Well, you've come to the right place. <laughs> also, since we've seen both relics created by the gods of light, I would love to hear thoughts about seeing the first relic from the God of darkness, the sword of destruction. Ooh. Spooky. Spooky. <laughs> lightning crash, lightning crash, thunder crash. Mark, what do you think? <laughs> I think Jean needs a new sword. <laughs> yeah! I can get on board with this. And I think so so I I think traditionally there's gonna be I don't I need to go like I just a little while ago got the fairy tale book. Is there anything in it about the sword of destruction? I read it like back in November. I don't, so don't think remember. so. I, I okay. I don't remember the there being a, a sword specific story, and if okay. there is, and I've just forgotten it because what is time? Then Maybe I we'll get one in the Grim Fairy the Fairy Tale series coming up whenever that comes out. Um, I mean, I don't think the fairy tale book is like Tales of Beetle the Bard level of plot relevant right now. You know. <laughs> Who who knows what we'll get in the series? I I, I would right. like to hope that there may be that it's it's like some sort of an adaptation, but who knows what else we might get? Um, I what I was gonna say was I wonder if we're gonna hear something about the sword of destruction being akin to like a sort of Damocles situation where everybody who's hold it has wrought destruction, and Jean would be the one person who is so pure of heart that it doesn't affect him like i don't think it's going to be like a possessed weapon or, or or anything like that like you would see in D. but i i think there might be a presence that is so dark that it can't help but taint the hearts of men uh or women or whomever but i think i legitimately think jean is going to wield the sword 
from like one from when they find it to when they get it it's going to be like a sword in the stone type moment and jean will be so pure that he will carry it with uh, a light and dignity that we have not quote unquote we have not seen in history before i really like that (laughs) dab 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 um just before anybody uh, messages about it, there was a fairy tale in the the fairy tale book about the crown specifically, and there was a story associated there, but I don't recall any stories being about the sword specifically. Um, so, Mark, I I I love what <laughs> I love your thoughts. Da, 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 da. <laughs> How about you? I love Mark's theory and I'm adopting it and I would like Jean to like pick it up somewhere kind of just like where it's been hanging out and not realize what it is for a while but then it's also a relic from the god of darkness so it's probably extremely obviously extra (laughs) what like unlike every other ruby weapon we've ever seen this is a good point it's not also a gun right that's the problem that's how they figure it out <laughs> i guess it is like a possessed sword then i totally forgot <laughs> that there are spirits inhabiting the re- the the relics so yeah 100 <laughs> percent. i am a fool john john gets <laughs> or uh the the alternative title john gets a new friend oh my go ahead go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. it's just a sound effect oh the gang gets a new friend <laughs> My knee-jerk reaction was either Grog or Soul Calibur. Yes! Neither of which bode well for Jean if he's our chosen wielder here. Because those of you who are familiar with Critical Role, I forgot what the sword's name was, but you know what I'm talking about. Thank you, Craven Edge. Yeah, you remember that. And those of you familiar with Soul Calibur will know that Nightmare has kind of before and after <laughs> looks and the before look is the one that looks kind of like Reinhardt in his prime and the after look is the one that doesn't <laughs> so <laughs> thinking possess sword and going all right soul caliber all right craven edge all right oh there are no good examples of this shit oh boy oh buddy oh boy wow um the, the only so tip yeah, i would have for jean is kill him with kindness man yeah also, I really want to see the spirits in the sword and the crown. Yeah, it is the sword and the crown. Uh, be red with black accents. Ugh. Because I'm that person. And because we already used one Disney genie color scheme, so now we need to use evil Disney genie color scheme. <laughs> hmm, Let's gross. Do Let's go. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me you don't want to see them look like Jafar. I think there's other magic people we could use. <laughs> If it, it no, dude. If it's the crown versus blue, if it's the crown, I'd rather it be like Maleficent or the Evil Queen. Okay, but I'm not gonna let go of the red versus blue parallel. Well, no. Well, what I'm so. what I'm saying is like keep <laughs> keep the keep the 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 red and black accent. I think that's that's a really cool idea and thematically works with like char- the character design and everything that we've seen up to this point. But in terms of like, I don't want to see another genie, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Oh, I just meant straight up red. You know, instead of blue naked people, have red naked people. It's yeah. fine. Deb. <laughs> it's fine. It's That's a different kind of vodka. It goes down like deserve. fireball. <laughs> is it not? <laughs> <laughs> no. When you write, you write. 
<laughs> no, they they look just like the 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 inhabitants of the other relics, but they're wearing clothes. <laughs> and that's just, the difference. That's the Palace swapped Ambrosius and Jin. <laughs> they ate from the tree of knowledge and now they're embarrassed. Um I uh, two things. Two things I want to say. The first of which is soul caliber, soul caliber. Um, I would absolutely love that that was like a nightmare situation. I had a, a different thought when it came to the sword of destruction. What if it wasn't a, a haunted sword per se, but what if it was a sword that could do one of two things? And that's one, unmake reality. Like... You you swipe it um, like you you use the sword to like cut a table in half, and now there's just no table anymore. It never existed. What if it could do that? Or I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ! I had another thought. What if for anybody who's read the His Dark Materials trilogy, what if? The sword of destruction is like the subtle knife and it can cut a hole in reality instead. And you can jump through that hole into another dimension. Wait, wait, wait. wait. That means Raven has it. Oh, shit. (laughs) Well, she's been lying. It's not her semblance at all. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Megan. Yes. You're a genius. I could see the future. <laughs> well, see, my my thought was that, like, if the sword really is in the vault in Vacuo at Shade Academy, if it really is there, because, like, I don't know, I don't think we've checked in on it <laughs> at any point. If it's really there and it can, like, pull a subtle knife and cut a hole through reality, what if that's how we get Team Ruby back? Yeah, legit. <laughs> I mean, I'm jumping to a lot of conclusions, and I've I've taken you all on quite a journey. <laughs> but um, but I I don't know. That's just my thought. I brought up Soul Caliber. The journey was already in progress. <laughs> we were already going. I don't know. I just I always feel very proud of myself whenever Mark calls me a genius. So thank you, Mark. This is true. You keep proving uh, it day after day. Aw, stop. This is also true. (laughs) You guys are too sweet. This Um, is not true. (laughs) Let's move on to our next question. This one is from Asimov95, a.k.a. Ryan on our Discord. I'm listening to the audiobooks right now due to Megan's excellent advice to check out my local library and the Hoopla app. Aw, thanks. So no spoilers, but who are you guys excited to see again and meet in Vacuo? Okay, um, so I guess we could probably just maybe tag this with a mild spoiler in case um, there's anybody out there. We've been touching on sort of mild spoilers for the book um, throughout this entire section of the Q&A. Um, but let's let's go ahead and say mild spoilers um, for the books in this question. We're not going to delve into specifics, but just in case you haven't read them yet, uh, fair warning, fair warning. Who else read the books? <laughs> I mean, I have an answer. Uh, go ahead, Mark. You can go first. <laughs> it's Turbo Teen. I'm excited to see them again. Well, there it goes. Actually, I actually do I have a real answer. 
um, wasn't the real I, answer. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't want to get. Too, you said we weren't going to do minor spoilers, so I don't want to get too deep into it. Um, but my my real answer is Fox. More because, <laughs> like, we learned more about their ability, and I'm interested to see how they can, if they're going to translate that into the screen, or, or how they're how they're going to translate that. I also have two answers, but both of them are real. Um. I want to see the only non-disaster lesbian in this show so far, which is to mm. say I need more cocoa in my life. Always. And also, where are the fucking camel grim? Show me the camel grim. <laughs> I need them. Those tiny little angry miniature death stalkers whose names I cannot remember right now. Help me. Something fish. Silver fish. I remember them. Um... <laughs> I love those. They're awful, and I love them. And we had Camel Grim in the books. So I want a Camel Grim. <laughs> Show me. Stacy, how about you? It's Fox. It's very, very much Fox. I still, I still have the second book to read, um, and I'm working on getting that. But uh, Fox, please, and thank you. <laughs> Uh, everybody else got two. If you want to throw in another one, you're more than welcome to. It's only fair. I mean, I will take all of Team Coffee, but uh, let's see. Who else do I want to see? I, honestly, I'm curious just about the citizens of Vacuo as a whole, because I think they have been very interesting characters and very different mindsets uh, from what we have largely seen from Ruby. So seeing that tie in in the show format is going to be really interesting. I, yeah, a- absolutely. Um, like, uh, getting to see the, the people of Vacuo interact with uh, the citizens of other kingdoms is going to be something that's going to... I mean, we've talked about it a lot on this episode. Um, it's going to be very interesting, to say the least. Um, for me, I'm right there with everybody. Team Coffee. We we love them. We miss them. It's going to be very nice to see them again. Um there are lots of citizens mentioned in the books that I, I would like to um, that I'd, I'd like to, to take a gander at that I'd like to see make an appearance in the show. Um, Sun has a cousin that is in that is in the second book. I, I think it'd be a lot of fun to meet her. Um, there's a ugh, I'm not going to give it away, but the the bad guy the 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 main bad guy from the second book I would also like to see just because I like that per- the the semblance that they have I like that trope and that's all I'll say about it um so I think it would be interesting um to get to see them on screen um let but the the ma- come on guys the main person I want to see is Headmaster Theodore. Come on. This guy's solution to everything is let me fight it. I need. <laughs> I need we do see, respect. I need yeah. to see Headmaster Theodore. I've been waiting for it for multiple seasons. Uh, I need it as soon as possible. And if you're going to make me wait another volume for it, you better give me a lot of him <laughs> in the next volume. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Um, any other thoughts? I thought for sure that you would mention the graboids that live in the fucking <laughs> desert. You being you. 
I look, I love the graboids, but they're not characters. <laughs> I asked for a camelgram. It's open season. And that was your choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, gra- I mean, look, I'm never going to complain about graboids, but I just sort of assume we will definitely get to see them. Um, and if not, then they were there in the books. I'm okay with it. I know the camelgram already have names, but God, I want them to be called drama deadly. <laughs> um. Okay, let's move on to our next question. This one comes from Nick on our Discord. With the heavy losses to her forces in this volume, do we think there's any possibility of Salem recruiting new lieutenants or hench people in vacuo? She is down a couple. <laughs> Just a few. Uh, so yeah, I think this is a I think this is an interesting question. Katie, what do you think? I mean, for for one, we have whatever the results of the road trip with Crazy Uncle Tyrion are, and whether or not Mercury at the end of this has decided to stick around or has decided to peel off for his own health and sanity. Um, we have, I believe, the villains of the first book survived? Question mark. I also have not read the second one. So they're ripe for the picking. I would assume if the villain of the second one is still kicking, they would be too. So I feel like anywhere Salem goes, she could recruit. And now that the cat is very thoroughly out of the bag in terms of her intentions, we might find a few more crazy Uncle Tyrions coming out of the woodwork as scorpions are wont to do sometimes. What an excellent way of putting it. Stacy. how about you? Yeah, I have a feeling that Tyrion is going to show back up in Salem's presence and maybe have this strange cult-like following, but like for Tyrion, and no one's really going to know what to do with that. That's As- horrifying, Stacey. <laughs> and yet. And, yet. <laughs> and Mercury's just kind of along for the ride at this point with this slightly like horrified expression on his face at all times like, only oh slightly horrified what well he has to try to hide it uh, they they smell fear <laughs> <laughs> so you just have poor mercury like barely keeping it together like oh my god how did i how did i end up here this is not what i had in mind i just wanted some power this is too much I would say you're in a cult. Call your dad, but he killed his dad. And we've turned it around. Oof! Wait, I haven't, I haven't done this yet. All right. We got one. Yikes! No, no, no regrets. No regrets. Whatever. None. Whatever Tyrion is up to, because he is definitely up to something. Uh. Yeah, I don't know that Salem is going to need to recruit anyone, and I don't know if she's necessarily interested in recruiting some anyone, but I do think she's going to have a decent amount of willing volunteers who are like, yeah, I saw that, let's go. <laughs> Powerful, I could help you. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of discontent in Vacuo, and, you know, probably throughout all of Remnant, but like in Vacuo in particular, I feel like, there's a there's a lot of cause for people to be upset with um with the people of Atlas and Mantle coming in. So yeah, I think that's gonna stir up a lot of hurt feelings. 
I don't like my neighbors. Time to usher in the apocalypse. Maybe. I think there are a few vacuo citizens who might feel that way. Yeah, but a little, you know, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really mm. got out of hand. Anybody who's had terrible neighbors understands. <laughs> Mark, no. what do you no. think? So here's our escalation. We've, we've been talking about it as we've been talking about Vacuo, is we get Atlas showing up at their front door. We get the discontent between the citizens. When we meet Theodore, he does everything that he can. He works with, with Winter and the, the Happy Huntresses, or, or whomever that group may be. And when he finds out that Salem or when he either like establishes he knows that Salem is coming or finds out that Salem is coming in order to his, his hatred for Atlas will run so deep that he'll be like to Salem. I will do anything that you want. If you get them out of our land to then swerve and be a double agent and betray Salem uh, later in the season. Because oh, with the headmasters, we've seen Leo, who was completely subservient. We saw Ironwood, who wasn't subservient, but still acted kind of in the interest of Salem anyway. And now we need that middle. We need somebody to act as a double agent who understands the situation and tries to do more work from the inside. That's what that's what I think we'll see when it comes to henchmen or lieutenants. But like henchmen, henchmen, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't think the White Fang are going to be anything like negative anymore because I, I feel like we diffused that a couple seasons ago. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if we do. They'll be intro. It'll be like the 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 uh, the whip guy in Indiana Jones or whatever, where Indy just goes, oh, or the sword guy, and Indy just goes, eh, whatever. I'm tired. Um, <laughs> something like that. Uh, in terms, like maybe another henchgrim like the Hound, like Ooh. not the same, not the same design, but something different. Maybe, probably, but in terms of like people, I see that thing with Theodore. I, I really like that. And I'm I'm gonna hold out for a grim turduncan where like there's <laughs> there's a grim inside of a person and then a person inside of a grim. Um the uh okay, I'm I know I said mild spoilers for the um <laughs> for the previous question, but I'm going to add to that spoilers here. Spoilers for the book here for my answer, because I think something that would be really interesting. Um Guys, feel free to plug your ears if you don't want to hear spoilers for the uh, for the the second book. Okay, <laughs> um, I think I think it'd be really cool if Salem tried to recruit uh, Jax, the the main villain of the second book, um, because his semblance is mind control. He's got a lot of drawbacks with that semblance, but I. I really like the idea of Salem being like, oh, I could use that. Um, I think that'd be interesting. That's not necessarily a well we have to explore since it was already explored within the book, but I think it would be interesting. And I'd, um, yeah, I, I could definitely see Salem thinking that something like that would be useful. Um, okay, so that's my answer. Uh, okay, guys. I'm going to yes and that. Oh, okay. 
despite having not read this book and not knowing what the drawbacks are, Emerald has proven that semblances work on Salem. <laughs> and yeah, you bro. have introduced mind control, the semblance, into this equation. Just going to leave that there for a minute. Interesting. Uh, sorry, Mark, what, what, what did you say? I was also yes-anding. Oh, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> yes, and that's all. <laughs> Sorry, I guess it was that... more, it was more of a yes period than a yes and. It putting that plus one on that comment there. Yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yep. Um. Yeah, I I think it'd be interesting. Okay, guys, we have reached don't, our final question. Don't Not give our me final hope. Question. Not it's our final, final question for the night. <laughs> Yeah, our, the final question of our Q&A, Big Summer Blowout, Winter Clearance, Summer Spectacular. Um, so Green yeah. cleaning? Yes. <laughs> All those things. This one also comes from Nick on our Discord. Depending on what exactly the jungle island from the post credit scene is, how do we think our boys and our boy and girls are going to be able to escape by the end of volume nine and reach vacuo? Stacy, how do you think Team Ruby is going to get out of this crazy situation? Man, I'm still so torn between it being they are literally physically on this primordial island and they're going to have to fight their way off of it. Uh, versus a more like metaphysical kind of experience where they're going to have to learn some kind of a lesson before they are allowed to leave. Por que no los dos? I know. I think there's some serious soul searching that's going to unlock the way out and we're going to have, you know, some very individualized growth and experiences that'll make for, for some interesting encounters. Uh, so... I don't know. We fell into the void. I think anything is possible. We're going to go super Kingdom Hearts. We're going to collect <laughs> a thousand Soras and put them all back together. We're going to figure you out. That? <laughs> you didn't say shit. <laughs> she was not told she couldn't go there. So we're here. Do I need to put a note at the beginning of every episode from now on saying, now guys, <laughs> We have a Kingdom Hearts quota. Once we hit, once we hit a certain number of Kingdom Hearts mentions, we cannot exceed that amount. The Kingdom Hearts clause. <laughs> we yes. did not set that quota in stone, and I refuse to accept it or acknowledge it in any capacity. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Mark. <laughs> what do you think? How do you think? How do you think Team Ruby plus Neo plus Jean are going to get out of this crazy situation? I like the idea of Battle Island. We have to fight our way off of it. But I can also imagine something, if if this is Wonderland, it, something akin to they're going to be told something at the top of the season that they're going to interpret differently where the, it, <laughs> the way off the island was the friends they made along the way. Like it was <laughs> something more esoteric than straightforward. And, and I think it's going to be something like that, something not as obvious where everybody will watch it and go oh that person is a teleporter just talk to them or something like that but i i, I think it might be it might be something like they, they might literally have to just level up 
in a, in a manner of speaking in order to understand what they have to do to get off of the island. And, and volume nine will probably end with them landing and just chaos. That is exactly what I was thinking in terms of the ending is at the end of volume nine, possibly even the post credit scene of volume nine, they get out of wherever they are. They show up in vacuo and we are in media res in the middle of something completely insane and they're all just like what and then a good chunk of volume 10 is and here's what was happening when you were on your little mandatory vacation we were this is the other shit that's been going down because i would like to see that and i would also like to see how we carry the show without its titular characters and i do think that the show is strong enough to be able to do that for at least half a season or even just a couple episodes, you know, we'll see. Um, yes, I am sticking with my Yggdrasil prediction, and I am sticking with meet a giant squirrel and climb that tree. And I don't want to go 100% Battle Island, because remember, they're not the only people who fell. We have a good dozen NPCs down there as well. And I don't think that's the sort of thing that Kruby is going to forget whether they're going to be the people who were on the back half the back half of the plane who fell on the other side of the <laughs> island and we got to figure all that shit out first the tailies <laughs> deal with the smoke monster and the polar bear and whatnot and i realize i am mixing my stories and i don't care um i don't think kruby is going to forget that along with our named characters we have a bunch of npcs to contend with and whether we will get to know more about them or whether they will be a commodity that needs to be protected and sheltered and brought with people, whether this is going to turn into an escort mission up the tree. We don't know. But I don't think that's the last we've seen of those NPCs. And that's what makes me think it's not going to strictly be Battle Island, because that's a bit much carnage for the non-combatants. So... Yeah, I'm I'm sticking with Yggdrasil, giant squirrel, climb that tree, see where it goes. Let's do it. As as much as I want to lean into my theory that um, the sword of destruction being able to cut <laughs> cut dimensional holes into thin air, uh, I love that idea. I love the idea of that potentially being the the solution to our problem. Um. I also think it would be really fitting if they really did lean in to the Wizard of Oz a little bit. Like our our team has to go on on a bit of a journey while they're on this island. And, you know, they they think that by going on this journey, that's the way to get home. And that turns out not to be the case. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that I think it'll resolve itself by, you know, uh, Ruby clicking her heels together and going, there's no place like vacuo. There's no place like vacuo. Um, but I'm right there with uh, Stacy. I think it would be interesting if like learning some sort of lesson or over overcoming some sort of metaphysical obstacle or emotional, um, emotional uh, turmoil it is the way of being able to go back to the realm where they they originally came from um yeah i really want that sword to be the subtle knife though <laughs> um 
So we're, we're, it's whatever, whatever it ends up being, I am very intrigued um, as to how, ooh, what if they go through a mirror? Like go full Wonderland, like through the looking glass and they go through a magic mirror to get home. Maybe. And we I get don't know. another version of Mirror Mirror. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a reprise, baby. I'm here for it. <laughs> We get another version of all of our characters. We get the mirror inverse. We get Link fighting Dark Link. Yes! <laughs> you gotta use the hammer because he knows all your sword moves. I love that. Um, okay, well, we have gone through all of our submitted questions for uh, this this four-part Q&A. Uh, do we have any final thoughts Um that uh, that we want to relate to the audience before we wrap it up for the evening, Mark. I would say, I mean, we've been talking uh, we've been talking about this for over a month at this point. Um, but thank thank the team and and make sure to to congratulate them. You know, the the fact that everyone was so passionate about this season that we were able to get four almost two hour episodes out of it is says something about both the content and the fandom. The future for Ruby is, has an even wider scope than it has been. I mean, the fact that we're getting Grim Eclipse again. No, what? Yes, that's the game. Grim Eclipse again. Um, and it's like Game of the Year Definitive Edition is awesome. And everybody should pick it up if they haven't played it. Like the the books, we've like we've minorly spoiled some of them, but um, after the fall and before the dawn, like support the show, support the people that do it because um, animation has been and is about to be in another renaissance. Like like really, like everything that has that will be coming out is going to be stuff that's super worthwhile. And we also know how fleeting that is with. with people might think oh it's ruby it's infallible it's the it's the workhorse but the support like the the support and success of ruby can also dictate the support and success of other projects and can uh, allow the studio to take chances on other stuff take chances on other medium take chances on either utilizing these or other characters in other ways so support the show however you can whether that's re-watching episodes on the youtube channel or getting a first membership or or watching the attached stuff like when fairy tales comes out everybody's gotta you know support that um also and i say this as somebody who just watched the entire first season of the grim campaign watch the grim campaign it's soup like it's 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 a taking in ruby in a completely different way and I hope that that like support support the people that make what you like, whether it's this or anything else. And with that, thank you to any and all of Kruby or the Rooster Teeth staff that have listened to any of our shows. We humbly appreciate your listenership and all of the work that you do. Well said, Mark. Stacy, how about you? I really just want to take a second to marvel at not only the fact that we just have an abundance of content and we have so much more to look forward to, to add to, you know, our already vast world, but we have content that we're here talking about two months later that we have spent a four part Q&A talking about and people are 
coming up with all of these wild theories and thinking about it and engaging with it and creating communities. And Ruby has been a show that has given us all of that and more. And I'm thankful for it. And I'm thankful for the crew that has, you know, worked so hard to make this happen and for the community as a whole who always has amazing and well thought out things to say uh and you know to make you cry about weeks after an episode has aired and we love that we really do Aww. same katie i want to plus one all of that and continue on a bit in the vein with mark talking about how supporting one show can help support others um I would say that for Rooster Teeth Animation, Ruby is something of a tentpole. And for those unfamiliar with a tentpole in terms of media or scheduling, it is the big popular show that everyone tunes in for. And on, you know, cable or special networks, etc., you would put it right before a brand new show that you want to get a good start. So you would put the, you know... In the heyday of Supernatural, you'd have Supernatural in the 8 o'clock spot. And in the 9 o'clock spot, you would put something that, well, Supernatural fans will probably like this. And we want people to stick around after the end credits for this new thing. So Supernatural would be the tentpole for whatever show it comes after. If Ruby is the tentpole for Rooster Teeth animation, then yes, Stick around, support Ruby, support the show. And I mean, we have hashtags and we have social media, guys. Be vocal. Feel free to create things. Creations are wonderful. And some people get into shows because of the fan fiction or the fan art or the character designs or the cosplay they see. Like, absolutely. If you feel that creative spark, pick it up and sprint with it, man. Do it. The creators love seeing it. We love seeing it. Other fans love seeing it. Have fun. Support the tentpole show. And then when it, Rooster Teeth Animation comes back and says, yeah, if you loved Ruby, maybe you'll like this show too. It's kind of like it, but not quite. Or, hey, we're trying out this other thing. Maybe try that too. If they use Ruby to tentpole another show, support that show too. Give it a try. You know what they can do with Ruby. You've seen the incredible things that they can do when they are given funding and half a chance. So they make another show, give that show the same chance you gave Ruby. Come in, sit down, have a good time. And I want to thank everyone who submitted questions and everyone who's listening to this and everyone who comes in and interacts in the myriad channels of the Discord and on Twitter and on all of the other random places that we see you. Like, we enjoy sitting here and talking about this. We love this show. We love RT Animation. It's a good time. But it is so much more fun knowing that you guys are out there listening and then coming back around and saying, hey, you said this thing. Well, I want to build on that. Or I want to fight you on that. Let's <laughs> talk. Or, hey, you know, I kind of like that. Well, what's your opinion on this related thing? Or what's your opinion on this completely unrelated media property that I know you like and that I like too? Let's hash that out too. It is so great hearing from you guys and knowing that you're out there. And we appreciate the hell out of you. I concur wholeheartedly with what everybody said here. 
thank you so much to Kruby for creating a fantastic season, um, especially given the the production constraint constraints from this past year. Um, thank you for putting on a good show. Uh, it was it was excellent, and thank you for all of your hard work and dedication to telling this story. It really means a lot. Um, and thank you so much to everybody who has tuned in to listen. Um, you guys are just wonderful. Thank you so much. And I can't say it enough. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mark, where can people go if they want to keep up with you? You can find me on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Mark B. Donica. And if you do have a first membership, you can catch me on Stay Zen with Caden. Uh, if you're listening to this when it releases, I'm on today's episode. If you're listening to this after the fact, Friday, May 7th, it will be back up on the Rooster Teeth site. Um, considering we're recording this before I've been in the show, I have no idea what we're going to talk about. So uh, tune in for the fun and hilarity. Um, I've also been streaming some Pokemon stuff on Twitch. Um, I did what I figure would be a part one of Pokemon Snap, and I'm going to stream part two soon. I also started a, a soft, what I'm calling a soft boy Nuzlocke run uh, with Pokemon Ruby, which is one of, one of if, eh, no, I think I can safely say that it's my favorite, Gen 3 being my favorite and my favorite game all around. So uh, check that out uh, as well. Thank you to ever again, like re- echoing everybody. Thank you to everybody. Um, we're going to be taking a bit of a break from live content, but we do have something planned for the next couple of weeks. So make sure to stay tuned. Please do so. It's, uh, it's going to be fun. <laughs> Stacy, how about you? I'm Stacy Shuttleworth. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stacy Shuttles. Uh, sometimes I'm on there making jewelry. Sometimes it's inspired by all of the media that I consume and love. Right now it happens to be Hades. Um, it also happens to be Ruby. I'm making a couple of Ruby choker showpiece things that I'll be talking about. Um, and sometimes I just scream into the void. It really just depends on the day. <laughs> uh, but if you're interested in jewelry and seeing colorful pieces come to life, that's where they'll live. Katie? I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you enjoy reaction videos to Ruby, to Rooster Teeth Animation, to a myriad of other things that strike our fancy, they are on that YouTube channel. Also on that YouTube channel and on Anchor is the other podcast I'm a part of on the It is an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast. We are back. We are yelling about things. The May Melee looks like it's going to be absolutely, completely batshit insane. So that's going to be a fun episode when that comes around. And also, all you wonderful Ruby fans who voted in the Oscars, the fan-run Ruby Awards show, Megan and I are presenting in that. So keep an eye out for that. It should be a good time. And I'm Megan Salinas. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams where Katie and I talk about horror things. And I do a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost, where my co-host Will Inc. loves Lost, and I don't. And we talk about it. If you're not already doing so, please follow the whole team at the Rooster Team. Join our Discord in the link below. Uh, support us on Tee Public. Go to iTunes, rate, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And uh, support our sponsor, Fred. And we have one more announcement before we wrap up for the evening.
as always, we end with the important things. Wear a mask whenever you go outside. Be kind and conscientious of the people around you. If and when you are able, get vaccinated. I know we all want to hit that herd immunity thing, and that's only going to happen if as many people as are physically able and eligible to get vaccinated do so. So do the thing when you can. Be kind to your essential workers. Be patient with your essential workers. They don't get the choice to work at home, and not all of the people they deal with are the kindest or chillest members of society. So treat them nicely. They are human beings, and they deserve compassion. That goes for your postal workers as well. The post office is still suffering from shenanigans, so buy stamps, support them. Black lives matter. Black trans lives matter. Black LGBTQIA lives matter. Black lives matter. AAPI lives matter. That has not changed. That is not going to change. If you can get involved in your local elections, please do. Remember to vote in your local elections. Do your research. Check your voter registration. Shenanigans have happened, so make sure you check it. And vote when you are eligible to vote in your local elections. Change starts at the local level and then goes upwards. So make the change you want to make locally and then support it up the chain. Also, Talk to your representatives. Let them know how you think they're doing. If you like what they're doing, tell them. Be polite. Be specific. If you don't like what they're doing, tell them. Be polite. Be specific. And then tell them what they should be doing. Their job is to represent your interests, and they can't do that if they don't know what your interests are. So, call, text, email, fax, use ResistBot. It's really super easy to set up. All of those methods are valid, but... Tell them how to do their jobs, because that's kind of the point of this. Black Lives Matter, AAPI Lives Matter, wear a mask, get vaccinated, take care of each other, because basic human compassion is the only way we're getting through this. And guys, we are so close, but we cannot stumble at the finish line. So take care of each other and remember that we love you. Thank you all so, so much again for everything. This has been Ruby Redux, and now it's time to say goodbye.